What's up, guys? We're back. High Street Freaks once again. Uh, I'm Kevin Harris. I'm here with DJ and Ryan, as always. And uh, we're here to dissect, I guess, what was the most frustrating slash dominant performance I've ever seen. It was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I like I, we're, you know, more than 24 hours later, and I still have no idea how to feel about that game. Um, cool, I guess. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Was that the <laughs> best game you've ever seen or the worst game you've ever seen? Well, as always, my opinion depends on what narrative I'm looking to, to fit this week. So, so what me, is it? Like, what most, is it? What, which character are you playing this week? Yeah. The most important thing coming out of this game is that, I mean, look, Michigan struggled with this team. Michigan couldn't pull away from Iowa. They barely won 27-10. Um, you know, got outscored in the second half, if I recall correctly. Ohio State pulled away. That's the difference between Ohio State and Michigan, right? Uh, Michigan allowed 87% more yards than Ohio State did in a game. and produced zero turnovers in a game where Ohio State's elite defense produced six. Um, I mean, all you need to know, right? Michigan should probably pack it in this season. I think it's, I think we learned all we need to before the end of this year. Um, Ohio State's one of the big 10 boys. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm hit the simulate button, man. Yep. Give me, yeah. uh, you know, well, actually we, we can play out, we can play out this week. I know it's, uh, in the review, but yeah, I'm ready to hit the simulate button, man. No, that I, game, it's like it's just something you'll think about. Like you'll see the score like ten years from now and be like, oh, you like you won't even remember that first half. But the first half, you're like, ah, caramba. <laughs> <laughs> well, so some my thing is Michigan played I don't think Michigan scored in the second half of their game, if we're gonna continue this comparison. I don't think I think Michigan went over in the entire second half against Iowa um offensively. And so my thing is the way, like, if you're going to feel good about a game where you play, like, poorly in one half but better in the second half, I'd much prefer it to be the second half that you play good because if you play wh- or great in the first half and then, you know, poorly in the second half, that means you got figured out instead of doing the figuring out. And so, like, the way I see it is, like, Ohio State played a really good defense and it kind of, like, flustered them a little bit. And then they figured shit out. And then, like, it was smooth sailing from there on out. You don't want to be on the other end of that where you're fine at first and then the other team figures you out and then shit goes south, which is kind of what I saw with Michigan not being able to get on the board in the second half. So comparing if we're, and I don't even think this is in the same galaxy, but Michigan fans seem to think it is. If we're comparing the Ohio state offense to Michigan's offense, you know, like I just from that game, I, I am completely fine. You know, I, it wasn't the best. Yeah, it would have been chilling. cool to see them. It would have been. <laughs> it would have been. It would have been totally cool to see them dominate from start to finish, whatever. But like fifty-two points when you play completely shitty in the first two ha- like quarters. Yeah, that that's cool. I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. Like I, I I think like and also especially what's kind of interesting. Again, let's just talk about right. Look, pretty much every podcast we do the rest of the season, we're going to talk about Michigan. Yeah, yeah. It's safe to that's say. That's what it is. Okay. That's what it is. Cool. So, <laughs> so. I mean, like, what's also interesting, too, is the way Iowa defended both teams, like, kind of counterintuitively. Um, I don't know if you guys, I was talking with uh, um, uh, Thick Stauskas, our, our, uh, our good brother Dan, uh, who's a, a huge Michigan fan here. It was really fascinating because, like, Iowa played a heavy box against Ohio State all day, had, like, eight guys in the box the whole game. Uh, and they were playing a super light box against Michigan with two high safeties the whole game, which is obviously very counterintuitive to what you think you would defend each of those two teams, right? Like, you would assume... You would stack the box against Michigan's run attack, uh, and, and of course, you know, drop guys in coverage against Ohio State's passing game. But um, both teams, or I'm sorry, rather, Iowa did the opposite to both teams. Uh, I think what's interesting about this is that Michigan kind of early on, especially, took what they could get against Iowa and just kind of ran the ball 
while Iowa was daring to run the ball, whereas Ohio State kind of kind of came with a predetermined game plan. They wanted to run the ball um, and didn't deviate from it until really the second half when we started that crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of interesting to me. I don't know anything. You guys notice anything about? I mean, do you have any? Cons- I don't know. Do you have any concerns with the way we respond to the Iowa defense? Are there any nervousness to you guys at all? About I don't. And so, so my thing, my thing is that I, I was in the when we were in the in the boards and stuff like that. We were talking about how. Um, I, I didn't really give a good response to this because stuff like moved on, whatever. But I think that in terms of Ohio State's passing game, this is the most difficult defense that Ohio State's going to play. Maybe holistically, um, Illinois' defense might be better, Georgia's might be better, but I think their strength is all up front in linebacker play. I think this is the best secondary that Ohio State's going to face all year. And so the fact that Ohio state was able to, once they started, you know, kind of their pass first offense, I guess, um, when they kind of just abandoned trying to establish the run, it was perfectly fine. And receivers were getting open. Um, you had dudes busting. What was it? What was Julian Fleming's touchdown? 79 yards, something like that. Like just the fact that they were able to do that to what I think is by far the best secondary they're going to face all year. Um, I, I, I'm totally cool. You know, like, I, I think that Georgia and Illinois, like they might be able to get more pressure. They might be able to own the line of scrimmage a little bit better, but they're not going to play better in the secondary. And I've seen what I need to see from Ohio State's passing game on that front. So there's nothing really at that point, at this point, that's super concerning to me, um, especially because like that proved to me that Ohio State can score on anybody. In my mind, Ohio State can score, can put up 40 plus points on any team in the nation. You know what I haven't seen? This offense with JSN. <laughs> I, I, you know, like it's obviously not going to be a problem. I'm not one of those guys that's like, it's the number one receiver going to break the offense or anything, but it's something I would like to see because I, <laughs> the times he's been out on the field this year, it, it hasn't even looked like he's the same player. Um, if he, if he re-aggravated his injury, like he did against Toledo, then you're looking at a timetable where it's like, he's coming back for what Michigan is, I mean, is that a scenario? And then, you know, the big 10, uh, Big Ten championship the following week against Illinois, and then uh, you've got a layoff, and then the playoffs. Is that like a situation for bringing him back? I'm not, you know, I'm, you're nitpicking at this point, but you, you could if if you. I mean, I definitely get why you'd be anxious about that. But on the other hand, too, if you want to play it optimistically, uh, what if you know Ohio State has the number one offense in the country, and then JSN gets a month to hang out and get healthy, and then we come back and he posts 200 yards in a playoff game? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that'd yeah. be cool too. <laughs> the the other the other end of this and like it's again impossible to believe Ryan Day on anything injury related at this point he's done nothing oh, yeah. to, to earn our trust on that or really Ryan anything Day, he's ever said his whole life if we're being right no, that's, 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 that's true to a point <laughs> true to a point but um, Ryan Day did say after the game that Jackson Smith and Jigbo was held out for the rest of the game for a pitch count which was reported before the game that he was going to have a pitch count um, to be clear. So he did say that he was held out because of his pitch count, not necessarily See, because he had an injury. So, we don't, we're not buying it, right? None of us are buying yeah, it. Like that, I don't that, really that buy that. Because he look, did get injured. He did get injured again. Like yeah, he was, like he that was, did not look like a guy that was going off <laughs> yeah. on, on a pitch count. Yeah. Like no. that, I, I mean, I know the difference. I, right. I know what my eyes saw. So I think right. he re-aggravated it again. And we're going to be looking at the timetable where he's coming back for Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I, th- I think the larger issue is, like, if he doesn't come back this year, like, what the hell does he do? Because, like, I've seen... Oh, he's going to the league, right? I mean... He, he would have to, but, like, 
But this is a guy that like was before the season penciled in as like a top five pick. And now I, he's slipping down draft boards to where he's like a late first rounder at this point. So, oh yeah, the Baltimore is going to scoop him, or the Steelers. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they'll get a late late first round. Steal, yeah, right. Quote right. unquote. So, so it's it's it sucks for him. I think at this point, like he really for his draft stock, he needs to come back. Um, he needs to come back strong too because it's like he's played enough games and he's had like that injury. I don't know. I feel like he either needed to shut it down immediately or he needs to at this point come back and do something to help his draft stock. But um, I hear what uh, you're saying, but, but I think also sometimes those, I mean, those reports can be so over-exaggerated, right? It's always like one guy talking to one scout and it's, you, you know, like you're kind of looking yeah. for an opinion sometimes, uh, especially because I would say like, who's better, you know, so far this year, like Jordan Addison's been all right, but he's not a, like a physically ideal prospect either. Like Quentin Johnston, like forgot he existed the first four games of the season. Like, I just don't know who's the number, like who's the obvious yeah. guy ahead of Jason. And so I hear what you're saying, but I also like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I've considered it, but I think ultimately he wants to play and will try to play. Um, I think so too. And I think, I think we're going to see him again this season, but certainly hope he gets healthy for his own sake. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess besides that, like on the offense in general, uh, it's, I mean, the receivers right now are just the, the chemistry you see between like uh, uh, CJ Stroud, all three, these guys are really special too. Uh, I know he has now had two interceptions because him and Ibuka are on the different pages uh, on a, yeah. uh, uh, on two throws now in, in back-to-back games. And I will say, I, I promise this is not just because I'm an Emeka guy. I, I think Emeka was right both times. Uh, I know he was mad at Emeka in this game for not kind of looking back at the football, but uh, I saw a couple of the scheme guys on Twitter breaking it down. And basically said the correct play there, the way you teach a receiver is to cross the face of a safety when they're coming down at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically Emeka was running the correct route, but CJ thought if he looked back, he'd get him in time for the EV first. And yeah, neither one of them is wrong, but Emeka was more correct. Technically correct. Yeah. That, it, yeah. That's just a chemistry thing too. Like if that's Jackson sure. and Jigba, like, and they make that play a billion times and they have for, you know, all of last season that there's not a chance that happens. It's just knowing your yep. quarterback and stuff. So that's, I mean, that's just, it is what it is. And it's like, it didn't happen in a close game or anything like that, but yeah. Um, and for what it's worth, Emeka's man beater touchdown where he like did the up and under route to get, it was, a, was it like a 21 yard touchdown on that yeah. where CJ had three straight throws. Uh, that was also a replay where, you know, Emeka made the right move and CJ trusted him to go get it. So I, yeah. I, they're working on it. Like they're getting better, I think by the week, but that slot position is so tough, especially when you're used to having it is. You know, the most productive receiver in the history of Ohio State. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think the, the thing that like we haven't really talked about a lot, too, is that Emeka was not supposed to play in the slot this year. Like, yeah, like I'm sure that. he would. I'm sure he would have at some point. But like he was not like that was not the position that he spent the entire offseason preparing to play. So um, I think that that's certainly like if like with how well he's filled in, it just shows how good he is. And so. Another another yeah. point on the receivers, um, just how much this room has grown. I mentioned it in our game threads. Like, it is hilarious to me that Julian Fleming is the third or fourth best receiver on this roster, depending on if Jackson Smith and Jigba plays. Like, that's amazing that that guy is like your fourth option at receiver. Because like you look you look back in like I don't know I guess it was like 2018 when you had like Benjamin Victor and like those sort of guys and like he right now on the depth chart is equal to where like Austin Mack was on the depth chart. So like we've upgraded to the point that like Julian Fleming is our Austin Mack at this point. So that's pretty fun. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if, even if JSN doesn't come back, I'm ready to ride. Yeah, it's fine. With what they have. Like, I'll take anybody at this point. 
Which is crazy I think, to say. say. I did not. Really the best I, I did not. What's that? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I mean to cut you off. But I mean, no, like I'm 100% with you. I think they're clearly the best team in the country. Keep cooking. I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I just based on it, at this point, like it's just, and I, I knew this was going to happen when they put a pasting on Iowa like that. Um, but like, I don't like, it, it's very clear at this point that um, even like with all the advanced stats and stuff like that, like Ohio state's not even like, nobody's even really close. And I think it's even going to get more egregious. God bless Penn state um, this week <laughs> because Penn state <laughs> is somehow still defrauding the entire nation by thinking that they're a good team after they beat a Minnesota team with a. Uh, oh yeah. The crypto crypto. Oh, hang on. <laughs> right. That should have been sponsored by some crypto coin. Yeah. So I just want to remind you guys really quick that it is the official stance of this company that uh, Penn state's a great team because it's good for Ohio state to pretend that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we'll scrub that. Scrub that. Just for, forget, forget that was a, that was a, a, a Speaking of stances. We have some stances <laughs> on our our friends at home field. Woo! Do we? Cook, Do we? DJ, yeah. go ahead and cook. Uh, we are a pro home field podcast here, homefieldapparel.com. Uh, meet at midfield, coding, 15% off at discount. I'm wearing my Montana Grizzlies uh, tee right now. I was looking fresh in Franklin Park today. Uh, girlfriend loved it. My Montana Grizzlies, they didn't really have a good win, but uh, they had a bad loss. Uh, against Sacramento, number three, Sacramento State, quarterback got killed, but I'm still looking good the day after. And that's the power of home field apparel. So check it out. We love them. The gang loves them. And you'll look good too. Hell yeah. yeah and, home uh, field is the official shirt of you can wear it two days in a row, I've heard. So just like, oh yeah. Don't worry about changing after the game. Just ride that bad boy, wear it to bed, wear it the next day, and you're, you're still good. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and people love it all too. You know, I've been seeing these home field apparel shirts popping up down here in Buenos Aires more and more. Um, <laughs> a lot. They need of to get some Maradona. They need to get a Maradona line. You're telling me? Well, they need a model. I mean, I'm the first one. You send it down here, we'll get cooking right away. Uh, I'll be drinking my Messi Budweisers. Uh, they got they got the Lino Messi on the Budweisers down here. Uh, so getting those cooking and and get my Maradona <laughs> T-shirt going. It's all I need. Uh, I can't wait. So all that to say, um, wear wear home field apparel, and we have a we have a coupon code too. Um, mm-hmm. meet I, at midfield. I, I think it's it's meet at midfield. If you are ordering for the first time, which I cannot believe you'd be ordering for the first time uh, after listening to yeah. this and podcast, it's a, a so one time thing, by the way. Don't yeah. be trying to double dip like I did. You're gonna get taxed. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's meet at midfield, and you'll get fifteen percent off your first order, and not your second, not your third, not your fourth, as as we've we've found out. But uh, yeah, so um, order home field apparel, and I, I heard it's it's great apparel for for watching uh, Ohio State Penn State, which is not a whiteout coming up this week, which is kind of wild. Yeah. And so uh, feel free to wear whatever color you want. Um, you can wear white in support of the Bucks this time if you want. So. News Corp strikes again, killing college football. Yeah. <laughs> that big new nonsense. That's okay. We'll take the paycheck. We're all good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm perfectly do. fine. I'm perfectly fine with this game being at noon, to be clear. Uh, yes. I, I think I think it's just just great. Is uh, I will We're going to wake up and, and watch Penn State uh, play Ohio State. But, yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. Like, well, what's up? What's up with Penn State here? Like, I thought that I was furious at Penn State for the way that they played against Michigan, um, making you know 
ruining this game essentially i wanted them to at least make that close so that uh we would have ourselves still a, a hyped up matchup but then they went ahead and they turned it around this week with absolutely blowing out a minnesota team that was uh that was supposed to be a much closer game i thought it was going to be a much closer game but um i guess i did not predict that that tanner morgan would not play but um or, or, how are yeah. we feeling well of course i mean that's another um i can bitch about the injury reports if you want but my god like yeah. You don't know any guys playing this week. Like any given week, just random players. You have no idea. Last second. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. It's terrible. Um, no, but yeah, Penn State was looked great. I mean, they, they, they ran it up on uh, Minnesota. Uh, what was the final score? 44 17, something like that. Uh, yeah. You guys recall? I think so. I think that was it. Yeah. Uh, 45 17. Um, yeah, I mean, they look good. Shit. Sean Clifford threw for 295 and four touchdowns. Um, I'm not worried about it. I mean, we'll get to them on our preview pod, but but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy the game's going to be big. Um, I think the one thing, too, that I was pretty pretty excited to see coming out of this uh, this past game here is that uh, we now have, according to SB+, six of the top 10 defenses in the country in the Big Ten. Uh, it's Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Minnesota, Penn State, and Illinois are all the top 10 defenses nationally. Yep. That sounds about right. Fucking crazy, man. Um, see, we'll see where those defenses ranked after they play Ohio State. <laughs> true. true. <laughs> I mean, the crazy part is, is like Ohio State's offense is so well regarded by SP Plus that Iowa still has their more defense in the country after losing to Ohio State and laying up 47 points. Like, that's just the expected outcome for Ohio State's offense given, right. uh, <laughs> given the number of possessions we had. Yeah, that, that's why it was so, so funny. Like, just I mentioned it even even leading up to it, like that this was decidedly the number one offense versus decidedly the number one defense, and it was still projected to put up forty points, forty plus points. So uh, I don't know. I, I just yeah, it was kind of it was kind of one of those things where like this was the expected outcome, but there were so many people talking shit about how Ohio State hadn't played anybody yet that I just wanted to see it. And I mean, you still have people that are like, oh, it's Iowa. I don't know. It's just it was predictable, but. So, so let's talk about it. Did this game meet your expectations? Like, did Ohio State do what you wanted? I, I know um, this is crazy to ask after a 54 10 win, but like what you saw from the Buckeyes, let's talk about the offense because the defense, who cares, right? It's Iowa's offense. That means they were there. The defense looked great. Like Zach Harrison was amazing. Tommy Eckenberg sick, but we all knew this, right? Uh, the offense, did they meet your expectations against Iowa? Tail two halves. Uh, the first half had me worried, but I, second half, I mean, how. How could you not be satisfied, right? Like, that's that's the the standard that they're putting down every week. I mean, they're playing they're they're playing like cheeks for the first half, and then oh, by the way, we're gonna win by forty four points. Like, I, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I think yeah. I think for me for me like even the first half, it didn't. They weren't getting like dominated. It just felt like they were just like a series of just dumb things that went wrong yeah. like back to back to back to back. Like it was like that strip sack fumble touchdown thing. And then there was like the obvious pass interference in the end zone that wasn't called. And like, there were just like several, just like weird things or the overthrow on the interception where there was just a little miscommunication. Like it was weird things like that, that happened like consecutively. And then like when everybody's freaking out, you still look at the score and Ohio state's up. Like I think it was 16 to, to, 10 in the um or 16 to i don't i don't even remember it was 16, like, yeah, the last points that iowa scored was a, a field goal with 10 minutes left in the second quarter yeah so, and so yeah. so it's six, it's 16 to 10 and i'm like ohio state's playing the best team in, or the best defense in the country 
And right now, like if you actually look at it, they're on pace to score what 64 points. So like even the 16 points in the first quarter, like with as terrible as they played, like they just like shit out 16 points. So I don't know. I, I think that, um, uh, at the end of the day, like even at their worst, it was fine. Like even at the worst in the game, it was probably well or good enough to beat most teams in the country if they played like that the entire game. So um, from that perspective, like it was cool to see Ohio State do like the worst that they've done on offense all year, and me look at it and be like, it's probably still good enough, you know. So that was kind of my takeaway. Obviously, the second half was you know they blew them out of the water, and it was. Um, what we came to, what we paid the admission price for, you know, but the, the first half is like, if that's as bad as it gets, I'll live with that, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, like, it's also like, we guys were mentioning there with like the run we went on where they kind of just pulled away. Uh, we, I think it's done that every game this season too. Uh, mm-hmm. aside from the Notre Dame game, uh, they have had a run of 21 to nothing or more in every other game this season. Uh, so Ohio State uh, scored 38 uh, unanswered points against Iowa in 25-39 of game time in this game. They did 28 straight against Michigan State in 19 minutes, 28 straight against Rutgers in 23 minutes. Also did 21 straight against Rutgers separately in 10 minutes, 28 against Wisconsin in 16, 28 against Toledo in 20, and 21 against Arkansas in nine minutes. Uh, they just do that. They just put points on you and, and, and like get possessions back and, and just fucking run the score up. That's the way this team works. I think I think they're kind of a a knockout punch team where they're going to try to go on runs. They also had Tennessee plays, right? Tennessee offense is the same thing. Tennessee is mm-hmm. a little bit quicker. Ohio State's more sustained with a better defense. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I mean, I, I think ultimately it's fine, right? They gained, uh, was it 63% of available yardage, which is the second highest Iowa's allowed this season. Michigan had 66%. Um, they moved the ball fine. I'm not worried about it. Like there were some weird kind of fits and starts with um, just a couple stupid little things there. I mean, obviously uh, the, the fumble return for a touchdown when CJ kind of dropped the ball there on, on the sack. Uh, that was just a really bad play by Donovan Jackson. A couple other small things I want to see get fixed. I, I thought Donovan had a pretty bad game, but like, not really. I, I think, you know, scoring 47 points under any circumstances on this defense is incredible. And just not I, worried at all. I think another thing, too, is like, I mentioned this in the game thread, too, and CJ Stroud actually kind of led to or alluded to it after the game. You don't like it's tough to script that you're going to get the ball on your opponent's 30 yard line to start the game. And that sounds yeah. insane to say like that you're you're like bitching about like getting the ball too close to the end zone. But like in a world where you like essentially script out your offense and I know Ohio State likes to do that. They like to have a basically a, a post year pregame uh, script to start the game, get everybody on the same page, whatever that like goes out the window as soon as you start the, the game on like your opponent's 30 yard line. And so like on some yeah. level, everything was weird from the start. Like, it's not to say that you would prefer to start from your 20 yard line, but like that probably would have been like a healthier start for the offense. So it's, it's a, it's a quirk and a weird thing that they had to like deal with, but. Um, right. And you have it, no it, feel for what the defense is trying to do against you. Like you, you just right. have, you're coming into a very blind hundred percent. All, all of a sudden um, you're like in the red zone and you have to like call a red zone offense against, by the way, the best red zone defense in the country, like. It's, it was very bizarre. The whole first quarter ish, like felt just really odd, very, just like a series of plays thrown together with no real rhythm or anything like that. And part of that's on the play caller, but part of it was just like circumstance too. So, um, I'm willing to, by the way that they responded in the second half, I'm willing to look past a lot of that in the first half. It's nice having a defense that can 
(laughs) (laughs) that you can depend on. I'm not that I was some great test, but like, I mean, if Ohio state were going to lose a game this year, it would look a lot like that first half. And it'd be from a defense that are from a team that has a a lot better offense than Iowa. Sure. Which is pretty much the game plan for if you're Michigan or Georgia to beat Ohio state, right? Like those are the two teams that are, that have the kind of defense capable of playing that game against us. Um, and with the offense to match it. And I'm not really, I mean, I'm still not really very worried about it. Ohio state still has the best red zone offense in the country. They've scored on, they're the only team in the country to score on every single red zone trip they've made, uh, which is insane. Uh, the offensive touchdown rates crazy. Uh, their Eccles rate is really good. Um, they're, they're just scoring at a very high, right? Like I'm just not concerned about it at all, really. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's certainly things to improve on. I think some of the reliance on on kind of boring and predictable running running formations and that was pretty bad. Like they just ran all uh, tight zone and outside zone on on running plays, yeah. uh, which is the problem of Ryan Day teams the last two seasons. I thought they finally got away from. They've run a ton of like duo this year and kind of. Uh, uh, they, they ran a ton of other like like uh, they, a lot of pitch plays, a lot of like pull G pull down, um, a, a lot of good stuff they're running this year, and then they kind of just went all back to zone this game. I don't know yeah. if that was intentionally vanilla. I um, my my take on that. I, I rewatched it a lot of it today. My take on that was kind of exactly what you were um, saying was that Iowa came out with the box loaded, and they might not necessarily have been super prepared for that because like that's not how you would expect to get played if you're Ohio state, especially in the first half. And so I think that was kind of the like, Oh shit mechanism to, um, you know, still have a running game with being able to do that as well too. So, um, it was I, credit to Iowa. Like that was a very creative and interesting way to come out, uh, put your corners on an Island against, it just was not expected. I didn't expect it. And clearly, I mean, Ohio show, you can, either. you can bamboozle Stroud. Like you, he's still, you know, you can still surprise him. Yeah. For sure. And more importantly, day, you can, you can surprise day, I think. Right. Like, yep. I guess it, here's the thing is they always react, right. They always like, like you mentioned earlier with kind of the adjustments, they always adjust uh, to what the defense is doing. And they're almost always a better second half team than a first half team. But I'd like some of the adjustments to feel a little bit more natural, right? Like, you shouldn't need five or six possessions of Iowa running a heavy box against you and like sniffing out zone plays to figure out you can do something else in the run game. Um, right. I don't know. There's also there's reporting out there that uh, Mayan Williams is not 100% uh, and the Trey still isn't either, uh, which I mean means they were kind of being pretty basic with it. But I, I don't know. Then give the ball to fucking her, right? Like if we're not going to run the game, but like, like I mean, you no, know, like it's not a game where you're at risk of losing, right? Because Iowa can't score on you. So instead of like just running the most basic boring run formation to like slow down drives, let some backup running backs get, get some reps. I nothing wrong with that. In my opinion, I mean, especially if those guys need to get healthy, but we'll see. Hopefully they'll get them healthy. I mean, I don't know. You think they're trying to keep it vanilla? I mean, with Michigan Lumen and they know that, I mean, nobody Part else me is really going to be in the league. But they've already put so much shit on tape at this point. Like they've run eight different running concepts. You know, what I mean, like Duo is their favorite shit to run. But like I don't know why you. Would, I don't know. They've run. They've had a really diverse run game this season, and they just kind of didn't this week. And it's it's really bizarre to me. I don't really know what the why behind it is. Maybe it's what Kevin said, just like being surprised at the looks. But I don't know, man. I don't think it's keeping it vanilla because they've already put so much on tape. I, I don't think it's that. Um, who knows? I don't know. I'm, I'm so very surprised by it. 
And a part of me does get nervous because I'm just still like, oh, is it Ryan Day back to the Clammy <laughs> yeah. Hands Day era again? Are we, are, we getting, are we getting nervous Ryan Day again? But yeah. I don't think so. Um, yeah. We'll see. I think, I think one thing that I really did like, it is Iowa. And it's hard to like, it, it feels like almost blasphemous to like praise the defense after playing Iowa. But like, it felt super good to see a defense, like not just like, go out there and hang, you know, it wasn't just like holding its own. It wasn't just like letting Iowa like screw up and like, you know, and then like taking a punt or something like this was an aggressive defense that absolutely dominated this game. Like it wasn't, it wasn't just a matter of Iowa being bad. Like it was Iowa being bad and Ohio state absolutely bullied this poor team. You know, it was like, that was, I'd argue that that was like the most dominant defense that Iowa has faced all year. And it was, I mean, at the end of the day, Iowa got three points. You know, it, it looks a little bit worse because they had that, uh, the defense scored a touchdown, but like that should have been, you take away that defensive touchdown, like Ohio state outscored that Iowa offense, like what, 47 to 47 to three. So I don't know. I, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really tough, but like when it was six turnovers, right. That defense forced six turnovers. It, I don't care who you're playing. If you force that many turnovers and you're that, like that many chaos plays, that many sacks being in the backfield that many times, like this is still a D one team with like hypothetically division one players. Like, I don't know. I was just really happy. Well, to you've got to fire your son at that point. Like For sure. I'm maybe not fire him, just do him what they did to Tim Hinton, you know, demote him to an off the field role because I don't understand how you're a D one program and your quarterback, your quarter, your quarterback program. God, I can't speak to that dude. Your quarterback room looks like that. Like it's an embarrassment. Like watching these guys, I mean, not that I expected Jesus Christ to come out there with the replacement with Alex Padilla or whatever, but I didn't think that it could get worse. And it got worse. <laughs> like, I I don't know, man. I, I feel bad for Iowa fans after watching that. They're so that, terrible. Like, you know, and I was I was watching that game and I'm like, man, why would you why would you go to Ohio State? Why would you pay all that money to come to Ohio Stadium just to get blasted? But I'm a Browns fan, and, you know, you want to come see the cathedral football we have here. But, man, <laughs> yeah. I know how much Ohio State tickets cost. And you're coming all that way to, for that offensive performance, man? Like, ugh. ugh. It's, it's pathetic. Like, I mean, it's just not going to get better either anytime soon. Like, they, they need to – Obviously, fire Brian Ferentz, but I mean, like, he's not going to do it, right? Like, he, there's just absolutely no chance Kirk's going to move on from them. So, it's I don't know. It's, there's like four or five coaches in the country now between uh, between Kirk Ferentz, like Pat Fitzgerald, uh, Pat Narduzzi, and Jimbo Fisher. That if you just didn't let them hire their own OC, like if you just made the athletic director install the coordinator for them, uh, they'd be a Pat, they'd be a New Year's Six Bowl team every year. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, they're they're just so they're just so insistent on a terrible OC that they fuck themselves up every time. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I really loved the, um, the part of the post game game quote from, from parents. I'm reading it now um, was when he was asked about his offense and specifically his son. Uh, one, he, he said he's not firing his son, especially in the mid season in the middle of the season is what he said. But somebody asked like, what, what is a, uh, what is his son, what is his son doing that he is looking for? Like what, what good is he doing? And his response was nobody does everything perfect. <laughs> I, just, I just, I love that. Like that's, that's, this, that's this getting paid. 
Did he pay seven million dollars a year to say, "Well, nobody's perfect"? Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, no, nobody does everything perfect. This is official response to why he, he hasn't fired his son yet. I mean, so. if I'm an if I'm an Iowa booster man, I'll say, "All right, Grandpa." <laughs> like let's get you a warm glass of milk let's tuck you in let's get you to bed let's put you out to pasture and like let's use some of this big pen money to go get somebody yeah, yeah i mean i've been iowa city's a fun time man like they could they could win in iowa city. i'm not saying they're going to be ohio state or anything but they could be a lot more entertaining than they are you know when illinois is putting a better product on the field than you brother you better check yourself <laughs> in dangerous water especially out there in the big 10 west I think that that's the problem too. Is like they could have had they could have had Bert, and now I don't think he's going to leave Illinois after what he's done. You know, like I, I, I don't know that poor program. It was this was exactly what I expected it to look like, and then here we are. I just I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't even know what to say about Iowa at this point. I do. Do you think? Do you think Brian Ferentz is going to be the offensive coordinator next year? Do you think that they're going? To, he's going to be the offensive coordinator. Hell, it'll probably be head coach. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think even like it's been brewing for so long. I think even for Kirk, this is tough, right? Like, yeah. There's just there's only so much. Like it's just, there's just a fuck, dude. Like it's really bad. They have seven yeah. touchdowns in seven weeks. Like, what? I don't, I don't know. It's at some point, like there's, there's only so much you can do. Like I, it's, it's one of those things. Like you can only protect his son for so much. I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah they'll, they'll make a change. The son will change after this year. I, I think he'll, he'll get like demoted to some like off, the, off the maybe quarterback. You know, maybe yeah, quarterbacks coach. Which hell? I mean, what do they make? Probably hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Go fish coffee. Group? I was joking. Yeah, quarterbacks <laughs> more. Quarter, quarterbacks probably more, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's really bad. I don't know. Dude. I just can't imagine him actually doing anything. But he has to, right? Like he, like right. He ha- like you, it you would, don't have a choice. The the program literally has a law on the books to keep what's happening in in the football program from happening they are like violating university policy by having brian ferentz as their offensive coordinator right now and, and like also to what leverage does he have over you like what if he retires so what like right i i know they've had a pretty good thing going but clearly like they, they've now i don't think they're ever going to get back to what their 2015 season was right like they've hit their peak it's already happened yeah yeah. Eat Georgia Tech in the Orange Bowl, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging in the rafters. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, oh, like my fans kept the DVD copy of that game. <laughs> I mean, I know it's crazy, but like uh, there's no signs they're gonna like the offense is getting better, right? Like they they won I don't know, they won 10 games last year, I guess, but like they won 10 games 2019. They're not getting 10 games ever again. But didn't awesome. you guys remember, like, yeah, you guys are probably too young for that, but like in 2002, it was Brad Banks. Brad Banks, this, Brad Banks, that. Like, thank God. Thank God they didn't win a national championship there. They, Ferris would have died on the field. They would have kept, they would have, they would have had his corpse entombed like they did Lennon on the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like, true. They would have they Brian Barron's operating yeah. a Ouija board calling in plays yeah. from beyond the grave. Yeah. I forgot that uh, 
Kirk had three straight top ten finishes at one point in time. Do you know that? Yeah, that, that, that was, was like the mark that was the Mark May origin story when he really figured in he could like make a make a persona on hating Ohio State and pimping Brad Banks in Iowa. And then I think they got clarified like USC, I wanna say. They got smoked yeah. in the Orange Bowl. That that was the uh, the other um the other villain of that time that kind of gets forgotten is Trev Alberts. If you oh, guys yeah. remember him. Oh, he yeah, now, a little pervert. <laughs> he was now the, the athletic director at Nebraska. And I, I, like, laugh my ass off every time I see a statement signed by Trev Alberts. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I used to hate on Ohio State on TV. Yeah, they. Uh, you'll still see the occasional pervert Ohio State fan talking about him, too. You'll still see that on the message boards every now and then. Someone will bring up, like, the Trev Alberts <laughs> TV appearances. Yeah, <laughs> like, he, he, was, he was more of a I thought I held a grudge. He was going before my time, but he it's it's just wild to me that he's like a I mean, he's an athletic director. That's that's insane. That's like that's like Clay Travis in twenty years ending up as like an athletic director, which shit. That's gonna happen, isn't it? <laughs> I mean pretty much was when he got Shiano out of there. Yeah, shit. Yeah, Clay Travis is gonna be Tennessee's athletic director. Damn. Didn't think about that. Yeah, he's, he's that's absolutely going to happen. I just spoke that into existence, but I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry, Tennessee fans. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did you guys watch any other games this weekend? Uh, you guys uh, check some other games out. What, what did you guys watch besides the Ohio State games? I watched Montana. TCU. You watch Montana? TCU. We'll I Montana. was watching. I watched the end of the TCU game. TCU looked tough. They, well, they've done it. Yeah. TCU does this thing where they magically, like, I, I don't know how they've pulled so many games out of their ass. Like, they have the worst or the best injury luck with the other team, like, having a crushing injury uh, and them just, like, I've coming back from this, nothing. I've been tweeting this for weeks now. Sonny Dykes has made a deal with the devil. There is no way around it. Like, <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> Do you know how evil he is, dude? Like, he leaves, <laughs> he leaves SMU after their best season in like decades for their crosstown rival. And then, you know, immediately turns that team into an undefeated playoff contender uh, without any good, like Max Duggan was the worst quarterback in America for three years. And then just becomes like an all American level player slinging touchdowns around there. Uh, they're every other quarter, every other team they place quarterbacks getting injured. Like, what are they doing? It's crazy. It's, it's, un, it's unsustainable, but they're going to sustain it because the team, their, their schedule sucks the rest of the way. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they could they could they could fuck around and end up in the playoffs. I mean, shit. Even if they lose a regular season game, they're making the, the Big Twelve title game. So twelve and one Big Twelve title team, like, is a really a very yeah. real chance to get in. They right. play West Virginia, right. Texas Tech, Texas Baylor, and Iowa State. Yeah, like Texas and Baylor are tricky road games, but they should. I mean, they should definitely go twelve and one that schedule. Plus, where they play the Big Twelve title. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just and, and it, my, my thing is like begrudgingly, every now and then they like their offense seems fun too. Like they run like some fun. Their offense is good. They have a good like, offense. Su- yeah. Super cool motion and like I every now and then like one pops up on my Twitter feed and I'm like, oh damn, that looks fun. But like I just I don't understand I don't understand how they have won so many yeah. games. It just three it blows my mind. Wins. Three yeah. straight comeback wins against ranked opponents. Yeah. I, I will say I, I like Quentin Johnson. I think he's really fun. Um, he's great, but the, the bathroom part is like they forgot he existed until the Kansas game. He had like yeah. ten catches on the season in their first four games. He's supposed to be an all American. And then yeah. all of a sudden he's catching like, you know, twelve passes for two hundred yards every single every single Saturday. 
Uh, God damn, they piss me off. I can't stand that team. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh... Uh, I was watching Texas Oklahoma State. Our, our boy Quinn had a had a tough day out there. Yeah, he one? did. Yeah, nineteen of forty nine with three interceptions, and, and ironically. The the only good drive he had was the last one where like his receivers had like four pounces back four passes bounce off their hands. It was so funny. Like, the game still inter- so funny, dude. Yeah, he was he, cooking. He, was. he misses the power of Ohio's baddest truck. It's yep. true. It's like a turtle us, without its shell. Now, DJ, that brings us to our second sponsor. Uh <laughs> <laughs> record on motive. <laughs> yeah. No, there's no more competitor. We're Barton. We need to we need to call up Wolberg Chevy and see if we can get a deal with those guys. Uh, <laughs> Why not? I bet we Why could. <laughs> Come on. Come I think on. that'd be fun. I, that'd be very funny if we start getting uh, uh, promoted by Wolberg Chevy on the podcast. I do. We should it. be doing that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. We should call up. <laughs> you guys probably didn't see that story. So, uh, dead body turned up in a trunk at Wolberg <laughs> Chevy. So we're yeah. in. Yeah. We're in. We will drive we got that enemies. car. Yeah. <laughs> we will drive that car. That will be our car. Yeah. I think we should also make DJ do all of the car reads too. This is a as a good bit to extend his person. His, oh uh, yeah. His, I'm a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know me. I love cars. So awesome. I love to drive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but uh, uh, but I mean, I I cannot. It's so bizarre to me that Kirk Barton, not to not to throw this out there anymore, he, he probably has you blocked, Ryan, or both of you blocked. He doesn't have me blocked. I see all of his tweets. He is like jock sniffing Quinn Ewers like to an unhealthy degree. Like he has tweeted more about Quinn Ewers than he has any Ohio State player combined over the past like a decade. And it's like well, it's there's only, really there's only one player he has a relationship with. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and he transferred. Yeah. But like I, I think of him every time I see Quinn Ewers play, like because he it's just over the top too. Like I'm I'm sure he's I didn't look, but I, I I'm sure he was out there like defending him for going what nineteen for fifty or something like that. I don't know. It's just I uh, just and I, I thought I thought Quinn Ewers was good. I, I I've always thought Quinn Ewers was good. Um, and I didn't think that it was yeah. like a, I don't know. I, I I didn't really begrudge him for leaving. The whole situation was just really weird. Like I didn't really uh, have strong uh, feelings about the mullet turned me off. What's that about pony boy? You know, the mullet, I, uh, I, I was never a believer. Going to get canceled. Not even get halfway through the season. Ryan's trying to get us canceled. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chop that one out. We'll chop that one out. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, guys. We need to cut that last part of the podcast. We were talking a little too aggressively about Wolver Chevrolet. <laughs> uh, Our lawyers uh, got together. And they, yeah, there's, there's, not, there's not many times we have to bleep something out in the But podcast, if you but... want to learn more, learn, search Mark Wahlberg, Boston. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, man. No, but point, but, uh, point being... Point being, I, I watched that same game you did, and it's like he like plays backyard football. It's the weirdest thing. Like it's it's kind of fun to watch, yeah. but like he's like flinging the ball up, and like it's almost like a, a fly ball in baseball. Like the ball goes off the screen and then just like hangs up there for like twenty minutes, and then it comes down, and like it didn't work for him because oh, like five different times they gave like it just gave the secondary a chance to 
spot the ball and get under it. And I don't know. It's just really bizarre. I don't, I don't know what he's doing. It's like watching know. a Harlem Globetrotter try to play in an NBA game. Yeah. I, that, that's, he's, he's like doing weird sidearm things and like, he's got the arms out clearly, but like, he's just making really bizarre decisions. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess uh, it, it was really bad. I mean, I think he was just also overwhelmed by how bad their own line played, right? Like, they, those guys could not block a fucking soul uh, on Saturday. They were terrible. Uh, yeah. Besides that, I, I also caught the Clemson game. Yeah, uh, I wanted uh, to talk about that because I swear to God, I was keeping tabs on it when we were watching the Ohio State game. Man, I was lining up a Syracuse. There's some sick Syracuse jackets out there. I was like, I need a new jacket. I'm on and one up, bro. I switch over for the coronation, dude. That 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 think Dabo Sweeney is somehow out of his box, <laughs> buried they're, in my well, rose garden. And it's dude, gonna be even uh, funnier, dude. It's gonna get so much funnier though, because they're absolutely gonna make the playoff, and then they're gonna get yeah in the first. I'm round. I'm praying we get the first. But the I first hate. Day. But I hate oh, Dabo. Dabo has shown the ruthlessness though. Like he will bench DJ. He is showing Urban Meyer. Oh. Urban Meyer, like he like Urban Meyer. But then he backtracked. Yeah, then he backtracked on it. Then he was like, oh, actually, DJ is our quarterback. Forward. Yeah, yeah. He backtracked it immediately like, in the post game interview. He's a fucking turd. But I mean, also, fuck I, I think he. I think he will. Games. I think he will change it though. I mean, you have you have to. I think that's fine. He, DJ's been fine this year. DJ's been good this year. He's not the reason why I'm not, I'm not nervous about them at all. They're just top to bottom. Of, they're a mid team. They're mid. Yeah, absolutely. They don't, they don't do anything well. Yeah, especially because Kate Lubnick, like they've given him two chances, what, like two or three chances now to come into games, and he's uh, completing less than half of his passes. Uh, he's he's nine of nineteen, throwing at four and a half yards of attempt. Like if he had shown anything, they they might they might uh, give him a shot, but he looks like a bum too. No, I mean. I don't know. Clemson fucking sucks, dude. They, they, don't, they don't do anything well. Like it's just that, like you said, it's just like if you drop this average team in college football but gave them 10 five stars in the roster, that's what this team would look like. Like just a perfectly average team that just happens to be more talented than its opponents. They, they well, don't do I, anything at an elite level. Yeah. That's how that's how Clemson's recruited for the past like three years. If you, if you look at their recruiting classes, that's what it is. Like they end up pretty high mm-hmm. because every now and then they sign like a couple five stars or a couple high rated players. But you look at like the average guy on their recruiting class or like the bottom end of their recruiting class, it's terrible. Like the yeah. that's the difference. That's the difference when you're making up like you're comparing Ohio State and Alabama to like Clemson is like the top end. Yeah, Clemson can compete with some of these top end guys, but when you look at how they're filling the rest of their recruiting classes, Ohio State's like a you know, top three hundred player and Clemson's like got this guy from Mississippi that's like the number hundred or 1200 player in the country or something like that. I don't know. It's just, you don't have that depth and that hurts you when you end up with these guys in your program, as we saw with urban Meyer, these guys ended up in your program for five years and then you have to play them. And I don't know, it's just a disaster and they're not a good football team. And you could have seen it coming the way they're constructing their recruiting classes for like five years. You know, I think that Clemson was artificially good by having two back-to-back generational quarterbacks in Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, they also had all those receivers for a long ass time too. Mm. They were able to get like they just had a lot of guys they could chuck the ball up to and get something to happen. And uh, they're not coming through anymore. We're not seeing those boys <laughs> hanging around. They're coming to Ohio State. Group, that's right. And when this D line group is gone, I mean the bottom's going to fall out. Clemson because yep. like they, they clearly don't have a passing offense. They've never had a rushing offense. 
uh, their their corners suck. It's just this D line. It's just the D line is winning the games. Yeah. Um, but and that's, no, that's also, just a holdover from Venables too. And Venables is gone. They're not going to be able to get those. Yeah, guys. He, I believe he took. Oh, he might be back. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, but he had two D line. They had two D line coaches at Clemson. He took one of them with him too. I think I, I forget which one it was, but he took one of those guys with him. Um, no, man, they fucking suck. Although I am annoyed. I'm going to point out uh, they do have a freshman starting right tackle from Ohio. Uh, who is that kid from Strongsville that Ohio State uh, missed on because of uh, because of Greg Sudrawa? Uh, oh God, uh, I can't remember his name. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, fucking he's Greg Sudrawa. He's from Strongsville. Yeah, strikes sure. again. It's a miracle was, Ohio State got Paris Johnson Jr. A miracle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> number seventy-eight. Let's see what's his name. Uh, <laughs> this is a great podcast in here. Blake. Yeah, Moore. we just. Uh, Oh, that kid. Yeah. yeah. He was good in high school, too. I want you to saw him play. He, I mean, he's a good player. Uh, starting as a true freshman at right tackle for Clemson. Been their, their best line probably as a true freshman. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a miracle that, that the offensive line recruited the way that it did. I, the, the offensive line recruited itself. It, Ohio State landed these guys despite Greg Stoudrawa uh, for, like, yep. five years. It was It's incredible. I, I heard, 100%. I've heard unconfirmed stories, stories of his – Recruiting specifically one about Paris Johnson Jr. and oh shit, my God. Let, who cares? It's true. Yeah, he he didn't have uh, his, uh, Paris Johnson's parents' phone numbers at a certain point in time. Like on his like third visit to campus, he had to get the phone number for his parents from a different uh, different coach. I heard uh, I heard that it was when Urban was leaving, he was scrambling yes. because he didn't have his number, and he was worried that once Urban left, he just wasn't going to be able to contact them. Yeah, so it's insane. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking embarrassing, obviously. Like, and and of course, our our good pal Kirk Martin went and did interviews with uh, Monica Johnson, Paris's mom, about this, and asked the question in the most avoiding the point way. This this story had been reported by Mark Gibbler and Bill Green, a couple of people too. Uh, I think uh, Fightman confirmed it. Uh, basically, the story about Stadrawa not having Paris's family's number, uh, and then. They went and asked that, like, does Greg Stujawa currently have your phone number and shit like that? And they just, like, of course, totally avoided the actual question to play. And, like, you know, uh, and of course, when the kid's already on the team, his mom's not going to go on a podcast about Ohio State and say that the position coach yeah. is a bum-ass recruiter. Right. And he's a <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on. I wish um, she would, though. The invite's open. It'd be funny. Yeah. Be funny. Yeah. Well, her, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have a podcast here because I want I want to tell you guys something off the air that I'm, I don't want to say on the air. Big day for editing the podcast. Yeah. So so before we go, we'll just remind you guys to subscribe to midfield.com or if you want to hear this story, shit, you post on the boards and remind me about it. I'll I'll, I'll reply to you guys if you ask this question in a thread. I'll, I'll say it. But uh, yeah. Subscribe anyway, to, I'll, subscribe to midfield.com and we'll we're we're pretty transparent on the boards. Yeah. <laughs> DJ, you want to sign us out, brother? Go Bucks! Michigan sucks, and help is on the way.